Stock Dads are back for season two of their hit podcast, Stocks and Sandals. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to build generational wealth. So tuck in your t-shirt, put your Crocs in sport mode, and let's grill up some profits. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by DJ Brown. And this is going, like, suspiciously well so far, DJ. I feel like one of our computers is going to, like, explode on us in this episode. No tech issues so far tonight, which is good. This is our second recording for the day and our first recording in like a month with no issues. So that's (laughs) good. We're back and ready to do this thing again. We got Daniel Blue with us today, who is a financial guru who's going to be able to talk to us a little bit tonight about reducing taxable income, how to use taxes and, you know, increase our non-taxable income and all that kind of fun stuff. I'm going to let him talk more about it and then we'll kind of jump right into questions. But Daniel, just take a minute to introduce yourself, tell the people where you're from. I know you're a Forbes contributor, you have your own podcast, you're a best-selling author, you got all sorts of stuff to talk about. So let the people know about some of that stuff. Just real quick, personally, I took an orthodox path to get where I'm at in the financial space. At 18 years old, three things happened to me that forever changed the course of my life. Number one, ended up getting a woman pregnant. And then number two, I got addicted to Oxycontin. And then number three, I dropped out of college. And most people that are quote unquote financial professionals, it's probably not the path that they took, but it is what it is, right? Like every single one of you listening to this show right now, you've overcame adversity or maybe you're going through some kind of challenge right now. And like they always say, success is on the other side of the struggle. So being able to you know, get past a lot of this adversity, I kind of just found my way into entrepreneurship, kind of just found my way into the financial space, uh, got introduced to the self-directed retirement account world about eight years ago, give or take. And I knew that was a path that I wanted to go down at some point. And being able to help people access money in their retirement accounts, penalty and tax-free, so they can use that money to maybe fund their business or maybe invest you know, into crypto, real estate, things of that nature. And just showing people some cool different ways to you know, save a bunch of money on taxes is pretty interesting. I'm around people that you know are not too familiar with 401ks or IRAs. Like maybe they've got a bunch of money in 401ks and, and they don't really pay attention to it. Or, you know, there's people that are a lot more savvier and maybe accredited investors. And one thing, guys, that I'm still surprised that not a lot of people understand, and I'm hoping if your audience can get just one nugget out of all of this, is the power of a Roth solo 401k. And as you mentioned, DJ, as far as one thing I want to talk about is, you know, how to make the most of your money. It's not so much of what you make, it's what you keep at the end of the day, right? Uncle Sam is always wanting to reach around and grab more money from all of us. You know, one thing that the solo 401k has, which is an account for entrepreneurs, is you can contribute up to $58,000 a year into the Roth portion of the solo 401k. And imagine putting a bunch of money into a Roth solo 401k, maybe it's 20000 a year. Maybe it's $40,000 a year and you start doing that year after year after year and that money starts compounding. It starts growing. It's feasible to have 500000 over a million dollars in this one account and that money is 100% tax-free. And uh, not a lot of people know about strategies like that. So, you know, that's one thing that our company is on a mission to do is, you know, bringing a lot of this information to the forefront and teaching people a lot of strategies and techniques that their financial advisors, their CPAs are not teaching them or bringing it to the forefront of their situation. 
That's awesome. I think this topic is near and dear to Mike and me after, you know, this last year we started this business and it's gone surprisingly well considering the fact that we're morons <laughs> yeah. and we've navigated our way through this and found ourselves, you know, with a nice little residual income that's coming in and every quarter, you know, we're paying taxes and we're like, this is, I'm paying more in taxes yeah, than I feel like I've ever right. made in my life. And I'm like, yeah. the heck, you know, and I like, there's gotta be ways to reduce this and there's gotta be ways to kind of get creative. So I'm super excited about this topic and have a ton of questions, but before we jump in, let's break the ice. Let's have some fun. Let's do some dad jokes real quick. And then we'll dive right into all this. Let's set the tone first. Usually I'm wearing Crocs, but right now I'm wearing some new balances. All right. My 12 year old daughter says I'm cringe. So that's (laughs) kind of who you're talking to right now. I just want to Perfect transparent with you guys no, that's, you're that's showing perfect. us up right now <laughs> i mean the name of the podcast is stocks and sandals so as long as you're wearing you know like socks with your crocs like i'm in sport mode bro you there know you go <laughs> four by four i literally i kid you not i almost named this podcast stocks and crocs <sighs> but i was worried about the copyright issues yeah. and stuff yeah. like that you know that down cool. the road, but that's what i thought but hey you know All right. So good. Well, we've got an authentic dad on here with us and then we've got Mike. So let's (laughs) jump in and see. We got some dad jokes. Mike and I had a recording earlier today and we went a little (laughs) naughty with our jokes and then Mike made mine super awkward because it was a little more naughty than he anticipated. It was just way more. Yeah, it was just way more (laughs) graphic than I was ready for. I was like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so let's see if we can match that. We don't have to go that naughty or anything, but uh, let's see what kind of jokes I, we can come dude, up with. Dude, I'm too nervous. I've got like a clean one. <laughs> okay, good. Go for it. All right, so mine isn't so much a joke as it is like a cool little fun math thing. Okay, so each of you guys take your age, and don't tell me. Don't tell me what it is. Don't say it, but take your age and add five to it. Let me know when you have it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how old you'll be in five years. Wow. Nice. Okay. (laughs) You just lowered the bar for all of our episodes to come. Like, it'll never get worse than that. I don't know, man. (laughs) Yeah, that was dad worthy. I like it. Yeah, I feel like at this point, my role is to go first with a really disappointing joke to just elevate the rest of them. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, Yeah. let's stick with that role (laughs) because you do it well. Daniel, you got a joke for us? Man, so there's a friend of mine and he just posts like just nothing but dad jokes, like legit on his Instagram. So there's one I just try to remember. And so I just had to quickly go on his Instagram. So his is Ben and Jerry's really need to improve their operation. The only way to get there is down a rocky road. Uh, yeah, right. Rocky Road's like one of my favorite ice creams. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's all right. It's not my fave, but it works. Shout out to Brian McKittrick. He's in. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say, what's mind. his what's his at? We need to follow him. So <laughs> yeah, go follow him at Brian McKittrick. It's M C K I T T R I C K. Brian, you owe me. You're gonna get to a million followers now. So <laughs> easily, you, you owe me. And he's an insurance agent. Like he's a hell of a Ooh. great guy. He's like one of like the nicest, solid dudes I know. But like an insurance dude with dad jokes. Like nice. I love it, bro. There you go, Daniel. <laughs> I think we very much oversold our reach. If you think that he's gonna get a million followers <laughs> yeah. from the thing to us, very much oversold. Our I wanted to make, I wanted to make him feel better. Following him, I wanted to make him feel better about his follower count. Right, yeah, DJ? well, yeah, so it was more for him. Yeah, than not you guys, guys. Okay? Yeah, every time we go live my dad watches and that's pretty much it so yeah no (laughs) i'm just kidding all right so i've tested my clean dad jokes on my daughter my five-year-old daughter paisley so i'm gonna read and she naturally wanted to tell me 
her own version of a joke after I told her. So I'm going to read you guys a couple of jokes that I told her, and I'm going to read you her version back to me. And remember, she's five, okay? So the first one that I said, and this one, again, wasn't, wouldn't be funny to her, but it might be funny to you guys. What's red and bad for your teeth? A brick. A brick, yes. Did we already say that one on the show? No. Okay, anyways, a... you're just so good at this. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so her version of the same joke was, what's blue and bad for your teeth? A blue car. <laughs> She's five, Mike, so she a hat. <laughs> that's all it was. I was wearing a blue hat that day, and so it was bad for my teeth. Oh, you gotta love kids. <laughs> right? So, okay. And then she just decided from there, now she feels like she understands how to structure jokes just from that one joke. <laughs> so now she went and she gave me a whole bunch of them. So I'm going to just read you a couple of these. What do you call a plate moving? What? A moving plate. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's probably like one I would say. <laughs> this is very much Mike level. Okay. What do you call a fish eating a human? This one was a little dark. An eating fish human. So, yeah. So we're working with the future comedian here. She, yeah. you know, she loves it, but I was cracking up because, you know, these are bad. <laughs> she was just rolling. She was cracking herself up. So it's very much like me when I tell a bad joke. I crack yeah. myself up. So. All right. Ice broken. Let's get down to business. We got a lot to cover here. Daniel, I'm just going to go right out and you already started to mention it. Roth 401k. Is that something that's available to people through their employers? Is that something they can get outside of their employers? How does that work? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a W-2 employee, then it's really up to your employer. Your employer is the one that calls the shots, right? So they may or may not offer a 401k. If they do, probably wouldn't hurt to ask if they have a Roth 401k feature, right? And if they do, you know, maybe they match, right? Maybe there's some free money on the table. Taking advantage of Roth IRAs or 401ks is a pretty good idea to explore because you're paying taxes on the seed, right? And then that seed grows into this lush, beautiful forest. And then now that harvest is 100% tax-free. And, and who knows what tax rates are going to be, right? Like right now, I'd rather lock in the tax rate now. Relatively, it's pretty low compared to historical times. And all the money that the government is printing, I mean, eventually they you know, get it paid some way, right? So one way for the government to increase revenue is to increase taxes, right? So who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. No one has a crystal ball. We don't know what taxes are going to look like, but they certainly could be going up. So that's a big reason why I love a Roth 401k or IRA. So if you're a W-2 employee, maybe explore and ask, you know, human resources or your company, do you guys offer a Roth 401k? Who we tend to really attract, who we help are entrepreneurs that are essentially solopreneurs. Maybe they have this LLC or S Corp or some kind of sole proprietorship and this business activity that they have going on, there's no W-2 employees in the picture. And from there, they can qualify for what's called a solo 401k. It's an IRS approved plan. And then they can contribute, depending on the amount of money their income generates, they can contribute up to $58,000 per year. And you know, there's no limit in the sense of the income. That's another benefit because maybe you're listening to this right now and you make too much money for a Roth IRA, right? There's that restriction. If you make more than like 130000 as a single dude or a single lady, you actually don't qualify for a Roth IRA. A solo 401k Roth you could be making $500,000 a year and you can still contribute into a Roth solo 401k. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the main questions I kind of had was regarding like people that are self-employed. I've thought that they don't have many vehicles where they can invest for retirement. 
because you know maybe they don't have like a 401k through work or you know they make too much to invest a ton into like an IRA or, or whatever so i'm glad you mentioned that but are there any other vehicles other than the solo 401k that individuals have that are self-employed yeah what we see a lot of is sep iras simple IRAs. So there's a couple different IRAs that are for entrepreneurs. So for example, like a SEP IRA has very similar contribution limits. The amount of money that you can contribute compared to a SEP IRA and a solo 401k is pretty similar. But the big difference between a solo 401k, for example, and a SEP IRA or a simple IRA is the loan feature. And the loan feature is just a nice card to have in your back pocket, or basically you can pull out a certain amount of money from your solo 401k and not claim it as income, right? So you're not paying that 10% early withdrawal penalty. You're not paying taxes on the money and you can take that money out and you can use it however you want. You know, we've helped a lot of people over the years where maybe they need $20,000 for product, for inventory, for their business, their online business. And they just didn't want to go into debt using a credit card or whatever their circumstance was. The idea of just using the retirement account and taking that money out penalty and tax-free to fund their business, that just appealed to them more. So they take the 20000 out of the solo 401k with the loan feature, buy the product, invest into their business, and then they actually have to pay back the solo 401k. It's a five-year loan. Own. The interest rate is prime plus two points. So we're talking about 5.25% right now. That's the interest rate on this loan. And the interest goes back to the person's solo 401k. So this lady was able to take 20,000, invest it in her business, and then she replenishes her retirement account, her solo 401k. So she's not robbing from her future, but now she has the capital that she needs for her business. So the IRS with the loan feature, they don't care what she used the money for. Maybe you want to pay off some high interest rate credit card debt so you can get a better credit score and refinance your house. Take advantage of these low interest rates. That's an option. Or you want to use the money to fund your business. IRS doesn't care. The caveat is they just care about you paying yourself back within that five-year period of time to avoid the taxable hit. So that's one big difference between a solo 401k and you know a simple IRA or a SEP IRA. So the benefit to that is just to make sure I'm clear is you're taking the money out, you can use it for whatever, but then when you pay it, you have to pay it back, but the interest payments that you're paying back, you're basically paying interest to yourself. You're not paying it to, you know, a credit card company or to a bank or something. It's, it's going back to yourself. So with that said, I mean, let's talk about seems great in theory. What I want to understand is how does that affect your compound interest and the time that that account has to grow? If that money is no longer in that account growing and you're taking it out, does that kind of set you back for down the road because you're paying that interest? Are you just assuming like, okay, that 5.25 or whatever is your rate of return for those two years or however long it takes you to pay back? Yeah, I mean, it's math, right? I mean, you bring up a really good point, and that's something that you know people need to be aware of is there's opportunity cost, right? If you're taking 20000 out of your solo 401k, that money could be invested somewhere, right? Maybe it's stocks or wherever it's invested, and technically that money could lose money, right? But it also could be making money, right? So when you take money out as a loan from a 401k or solo 401k, like make sure you're using it for something that makes sense, Maybe it's a business that you feel really good about. It has some proof of concept, for example, right? Or you're paying off a 25% interest rate credit card. It's crazy. There's a lot of people that we've seen over the years that, you know, have a retirement account that's making them 7 or 8% a year. Meanwhile, their credit card debt's costing them 20% a year. So it's Mm -hmm. like 
we're losing money faster than we're making money at that point, right? So sometimes right. it would make sense to stop the bleeding, but you do want to factor in that opportunity cost because technically you could leave the money there and it could have that compound interest. So you definitely want to weigh out the options. And that's why, you know, when I started explaining the strategy, I intentionally mentioned it's just a card to have in your back pocket. That's nice to have. You don't have right. to use the loan feature. However, an IRA, there is no loan feature, even if you want it. So that's just one distinct difference between the solo K and the IRA. And you just want to make sure that you're not taking the money out. And I'm in Vegas. So, you know, the analogy I'm going to use hits home. You're not going to take the money out and throw it on black at the casinos, right? Like, right. smart with your money. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you take it out and you either use it to pay off like some high interest loans or you take it out and buy yourself assets or something that'll appreciate, then, you know, it might be a good idea. It's going to be an individual situation, yep. but taking it out to pay off a low interest car payment or to take, you know, or something like that doesn't necessarily no. always make sense. Cause I think sure. my mother actually did this, I believe. And if she's listening, she doesn't listen. Who am I kidding? But <laughs> if she's listening, sorry, but I think she at one point told me, and this is before I learned all this stuff and, you know, had anything that I could have maybe stopped her. I think she took a loan out on her 401k and use it to pay off her car and then paid herself back. I guess in theory, that could be fine like if she had a high interest car payment. But then also at the same time, like that's time that that money could have stayed in there and continued to grow. And, you know, she could have just paid it with, you know, her income and kind of, I guess, expediting the process, which yeah. was her thought. So, yeah. Is like, are these products that you're talking <laughs> about, are they only available to people that are self employed or can people or can W2 people get them as well? Yeah, so a W-2 person can get a solo 401k if they have some kind of side hustle, if okay. they have some kind of business activity going on, right? Maybe they get 1099 income because they do freelance work. You know, maybe they're a real estate agent, they get 1099 income and they've got this LLC set up. Maybe they have some kind of consulting gig or online business. So you can be a full-time entrepreneur and qualify for the solo 401k, but you also could be a W-2 employee during the day. And then you've got some business activities some projects going on on the side that qualifies you for being an entrepreneur. Sure. And then at that point, are there like special rules where like you can't invest any of your like W-2 money into this account? Is it like that strict or once you qualify for it, can you put as much into it as you want? Yeah. So kind of same rules apply, right? Like if you have a 401k with your job, the money that goes into your 401k through your job has to come from your W-2 wages, right? From your job. Same thing with the solo 401k, the money that gets contributed. Now keep in mind, you can convert money, right? A 401k from an old job or an IRA, if you qualify for a solo 401k, you can convert that into a solo 401k, easy peasy. But where you have to make sure the money matches up is the new money contributions, you know, the new capital contributions, that cash that you add to the account from your business bank account, for example, has to come from earnings from your business that's okay. tied to the solo 401k. Most of what we're talking about is tax-free future like growth and being able to withdraw it tax-free and all that kind of stuff. So reducing, you know, taxes down the road for retirement. What I would like to kind of shift gears to is reducing taxable income as a whole. So, you know, like Mike and I, like, uh, again, I'll use our situation as an example. We started this LLC, stocked ads, you know, we've done well with it. We're starting to make money and now we pay out the button taxes every quarter. What are some strategies that we could be implementing that would reduce that taxable income altogether? So, 
Like just an example or of something I can think of off the top of my head, it would be like claiming our living area as, you know, a workspace or something like that. Can you kind of give us just yeah mileage and like stuff like that to kind of just reduce the amount of taxable income that we have in general? Can you just give us some tips or maybe like lesser known strategies around that? Yeah, I just interviewed, his name is Tyler McBroom on my podcast, How Winners Win. And I go follow him on Instagram. He's a stud. He puts out a lot of great content. He's a CPA and he makes it fun, makes it interesting. And the two things, because I asked him the same question, and I'm going to just give a disclaimer. I'm not a CPA. I know self-directed retirement accounts, solo 401ks very well. But when it comes to like tax advice and things like that, I got a CFO for that. And I have friends like Tyler McBroom. But the two things that I remember from our conversation when I asked him a question very similar is he talked about the Augusta rule. So definitely Google that. It had something along the lines of you can rent out your home for a certain amount of days. I want to say it's 14 days a year. And essentially your business is renting space to have corporate meetings throughout the year. And you kind of just prorate how much it would cost. And it's a good chunk of money. I think you end up taking like at least $10,000, give or take. And now that's 100% tax-free money. So I thought that was a pretty unique way. Again, I'm paraphrasing it. I might miss a detail or two. So that's why you got your friend Google, the Augusta rule. That was pretty cool. And the other one is you can pay your kid up to like $12,000 a year of tax-free money. And you know they just have to do some kind of work, quote unquote. And I was like, what if my kid's like three years old? He's like, dude, you can take pictures of your kid and they create content, right? Like they're a model, right? So like, there's just different ways to justify, you know, my kid's 12 years old. I'm like, hey, come over here and clean the desks. (laughs) The employee's desk, take out their trash, right? So like, you know, there's different ways that you can put your kid to work and, you know, up to $12,000 a year tax-free. So between that and the Augusta rule, I mean, there's 20 Gs right there of kind of some tax-free money. So just little strategies like that stuck out to me. That's good stuff. What's his name again? Tyler McBroom. And when I interviewed him on my podcast, he was at like 950,000 followers. So I'm like, all right, bro, thanks to us. We're going to get you a million. (laughs) My mom is going to follow you. You My friend's going to follow you. My childhood friend, but he's legit. So definitely someone I highly recommend checking out. Yeah, you'll have to hook us up. We'll interview him on ours too. Yeah, for sure. I'll I'll do the email intro. Awesome. Yeah, this is probably a dumb question and it might be one that's more geared towards someone like him too but is there a way to save on taxes that doesn't involve like reducing taxable income because like in theory i don't want to reduce my income you know yeah i mean that's the name of the game man like the irs is like that business partner you never wanted to have right Mm -hmm. and they're just gonna get their fair share of money Right. Mm -hmm. And fair is just such a like ambiguous term. Right. But like they're going to get theirs, whether you like it or not. That's why it's like, okay, from a retirement account standpoint, like let's use your guys' situation, depending on how many employees you guys have or don't have. And we don't need to get into that for the show. But like you guys probably could SEP IRA or a simple or some kind of 401k. And let's just say you contribute, you know, let's just use the example of $20,000. You guys each contribute that. 
Well, I mean, you can make that contribution either pre-tax or post-tax. It's either tax deferred or Roth, right? And if you want the tax benefit now, that 20000 that you put into the account, now that's a write-off, right? You deduct that against your income. So if your income is 100000 instead of paying taxes on 100000 you're paying taxes on eighty, right? So you get the tax savings immediate, right? Mm-hmm. However, that money is growing tax deferred. You're kicking the can down the road. So down the road, when you pull that money out, you're paying taxes on it, right? Mm-hmm. So one way or the other, the IRS is going to get theirs. That's why I'm a big proponent of Roth. Like I would rather just pay the taxes up front, pay the taxes on the seed, and then just let that thing grow. And it's just 100% tax-free. And then really, I just get to a point where it's just like, you know what, as much as I don't want to pay taxes, if I'm paying taxes, that means that the P&L is looking pretty sexy and I'm making money. So I'll take my licks. It is what sure. it is. But you got to get creative somehow. And that's where some of the things, and I'm not the smart guy in the room in terms of taxes. Like I'm sure there's other strategies that are out there that we just don't know about. So it's about networking and meeting the right people and getting in the right rooms and having conversations like this. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned during your intro briefly about crypto and getting kind of involved in that space and using these same types of strategies. Can you just talk a little bit about you know, because I know crypto is so hot right now. Everybody wants to get into crypto, but also, you know, I feel like it's wise to understand it better, especially from an investment long term, you know, Roth type of a standpoint. So can you just kind of talk a little bit about the crypto side of things? Yeah, I mean, so I would say over 90%. I don't know the numbers. I don't have the data in front of me, but I would say at least nine out of 10 people that are investing in crypto are just doing it through a brokerage account, right? Robinhood, Coinbase, right? Like they're doing it bare. And what I mean by that is they have no tax shelter. So whatever gains that they're having when they buy and sell, they're just triggering taxable events, right? And then they're going to have to pay for it when they do their taxes. So, I mean, if someone put, it's funny, man, I saw some guy from, I want to say he was like worked in a warehouse or a grocery store. He put 8,000 in a Shiba coin and it's at a million dollars. I bet you if you Google, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So he did that outside of a retirement account. I didn't see that he did it within. So like, I guess, you know, I could be fact-checked, but how I understood it is he did it outside of a retirement account. He did it bare. If he took that $8,000 and it was inside of a Roth IRA or a Roth solo 401k, for example, and it owned that Shiba coin, that million dollars would then be tax-free, right? So like, that's a huge difference. Now he's not having to claim that as income next year on his taxes, right? And depending on how long he's had the Roth account opened up and things like that, there's going to be some factors in terms of him not being able to access that money, you know, next year and things like that. But you bring up a good point, DJ, like it's about the long term, right? Like if you're looking at building long-term wealth, then does it really matter accessing that money next year or the year after? If you want to play with money that you need in case of a rainy day, then it probably would be better that you do it bare. You do it outside of a retirement account. So I think having the overall strategy, and and I know you guys talk a lot about that on the show, but just knowing what buckets of money you have, right? Like you got your bare bucket, your bucket of just brokerage money that's has nothing to do with the retirement account. Cool. Then you got your pre-tax money where you got the tax write-off up front. It's tax deferred. Okay, cool. I love that third bucket, which is that tax-free money, that Roth bucket, right? So just understanding those three different buckets and some of their pros and cons is really important, whether you're investing in crypto or precious metals or stocks, options, you know, all that cool stuff. That's one of the things I was going to bring up was like, can you access that before retirement age if you are doing it in like a IRA or whatever? Yeah. So I'm glad you touched on that. 
So like with the Roth account, for example, you know, after the account has been opened up for a certain amount of years, you can actually access the contributions and not have to pay any penalties or taxes. Like it's easy peasy. Like you just take it out and do your thing. But the earnings, you do have to leave that in there. And the magic number is 59 and a half. You know, when you take money out, you know, you're going to have that 10% early withdrawal penalty. So if you're putting money in a, a 401k or an IRA, unless you're going to use the loan feature and pull money out, there's going to be some kind of for the most part, some kind of taxable event, unless you're pulling out the contributions made in a Roth account, then you can access that for the most part. So for example, if you put $50,000 in, well, you can't, let's just say your $6,000 in your Roth IRA to max it out. And then it grows, you know, to 10,000, for example, you can pull the 6,000 out penalty free but that 4,000 that's in there that from the growth, you cannot pull that out until 59 and a half yeah. without penalty, correct? Yeah. And, okay. and I'm pretty sure you have to have that Roth account open for about five years before you can access the actual contributions. So you've talked a lot about like a Roth, Roth IRA and you know, your proponent of them. Is there ever a situation where you'd suggest a traditional IRA or would you pretty much always go with the Roth? I mean, I just look at it from a math standpoint, right? Like we're so, our company mostly deals with solo 401ks, so has the higher contribution limit, right? So let's just say someone wants to put in $20,000 into a solo 401k and they're like, man, where should I put it? Should it be tax deferred or Roth? Well, I mean, just do the math. If you do tax deferred 20,000, now you're having to claim that 20,000 is income. So now you're not gonna have to pay taxes on 20,000. What's your tax bracket at? 25%, let's just say. Okay, cool. That saves you $5,000. Know, $5, okay, great. However, now that 20000 as it's growing, you're going to have to pay taxes on that money down the road. And who knows what that's going to look like, right? If that thing grows to $100,000, now you're going to have to pay taxes on all of that money at some point in time. That's scenario one. Scenario two, I take that same 20000 I put it into my Roth Solo 401k. I claim that as income. So I, let's just say same scenario, 25% tax bracket. So now I'm going to pay, you know, $5,000 in taxes that year, right? Because I'm claiming it as income. So I take the hit now, I pay 5,000, but now let's just say that $15,000, let's just say, because I had 20, I'm paying 5,000 in taxes. So, you know, realistically it's 15,000. So now that 15,000, if that thing grows to 60,000 or 100,000, that's 100% tax free. So I'm not paying any taxes on that 60,000 or that 100,000. And it took me 5,000 to get there. Right. So you got to look at the numbers, but there's been times over the years where looking back where somebody was just like, dude, I'm getting hit massively with taxes and I'm only able to write off so much. Like I just freaking need write offs, write offs, write offs. Like my CPA is like, find every write off that you can find because of, you know, this income bracket and that income bracket and this, this or that. Right. Maybe it might make sense to, you know, have that initial tax break, right? That tax deferred status, mm -hmm. but you know, it just really comes down on the individual situation and in the math. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. I feel like it's going to be one of those things that's on an individual basis that you need to talk to your advisor with. For me, for example, right? Like DJ and I started stock dads and it's been good. We've done well, right? So like our taxable income now theoretically could be the highest it'll ever be, right? For like my situation, it's almost like I've thought about would it be better to do a traditional now while, you know, maybe I'm in a high bracket compared to where I'll be the rest of my life. But again, I think it's just something where it's based on the individual's situation. 
So my question or response to that, Mike, would be, and maybe it's a question for Daniel as well, but when you get to that retirement age and your accounts and you start to pull out of those accounts, the money that's in those accounts would determine your tax bracket, correct? So like if you have, you know, let's say you you have $250,000 or a million dollars in your brokerages or retirement accounts. Well, when you start to pull out, is that included in what your tax bracket would be? So yeah, I mean, now you're going to have to factor in other income, right? And this is where, like Mike said, like you really need to make sure you sit down with a CPA and advisor where it's like, okay, cool. You got rental income coming through. You know, maybe you have some consulting work coming in, some 1099 income over here. Once people turn 72 and a half, they're actually required to pull money out of tax deferred account. So like they're having those RMDs, those required minimum distributions, or maybe they're 60 and they just take money out. So it's like, you know, and then social security as well, right? So like there's all these different, you know, kind of facets that you gotta be, uh, you know, cognizant of. Yeah, so Mike, what I would say is like, unless you've learned nothing over the last year and completely forget how to invest your money and how to grow your wealth over the next, you know, 30, 35 years, you're going to be in a higher tax bracket when it's all said and done because your investments will have grown far beyond even what we're making right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and what scares me too, guys, and I just want to give this kind of insight to the audience because I, I kind of forget about this, but Ronald Reagan, we all know who that is. I don't think a lot of people know that he was actually a movie star before being a president. And I don't think a lot of people know a fun fact is at one point in time, Reagan would only do one movie a year. He was a badass actor, right? He could have done a lot more movies every year. And the reason why he only did one movie a year is because the tax bracket, the tax rates were so high, right? Like, so if you just Google U.S. historical tax rates, check out those bad boys in the 50s, the 60s. A lot of people right now are like, man, these taxes are so high, like the Democrats, the Republicans, like to check out the taxes decades ago compared to where they are now. And it puts things in the perspective. And what worries me is with the government pumping in all of this money, do they have to find some way to recoup the revenue and the easiest lever that they can pull to get more money flowing in the government, which is a business, is to raise taxes. So basically, Mike, odds are even if stock dads flops completely and you never make more money than you're making right now, you're still going to be in a higher tax bracket when you go to retire. So, you know. It's based off what you take out though, right? Not like what's in your account. Yeah, with the pre-tax, you know, tax deferred IRA or 401k, it's a matter of how much you take out. If you've got 500,000, but you only take out 20, you're claiming that 20,000 is income. Right, so like if I made, I don't make this much, but you know, if I made $1.5 million this year and then I put in a traditional IRA and then I'm taking out 50 grand a year at retirement, that's kind of what I'm saying, DJ. But I know that math is not right there, but just, you know, yeah. an example. No, I guess, yeah. I mean, depending on how much you plan to take out. But if you plan to live like you're living now in retirement, then, you know, you would need roughly the same amount of money that you have now. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, so you mentioned self-directed IRAs. IRAs. So like that stuff like through your employer too. I think it's self-directed. I can't remember. I can never I feel like remember. Like you the name always of this. butcher this, yeah. I, I do because I've talked to Andy, our best friend, and you know my financial planner about this, where it's like in my four hundred one k, being able to determine what my money is going into and like what funds and what stocks and stuff like that. There's like a very limited amount of what I can choose from. 
and whether it's a target date fund or just the small selection of Vanguard funds and whatever stuff that they give you to choose from, how does the self-employed or the solo 401k, I apologize if I'm butchering these names, but the solo 401k, is how does that work as far as being able to choose where your money's going? Is that a self-directed, whatever it's called, self-directed thing where you put it in whatever? Or is it, again, depending on which brokerage you pick or which account you open, you only have their bucket of things to put your money in? Yeah, it basically just comes down to the latter point. It just comes down to who holds the solo 401k, right? You can get a solo 401k with Fidelity, with Vanguard. However, you're just going to be limited to Wall Street options. You may or may not have the loan feature. You also could have a solo 401k that's in the self-directed retirement account space. So a self-directed solo 401k. And that just means there's a custodian that holds that solo 401k that can administer alternative assets like precious metals, like private equity, like crypto, promissory notes, real estate, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, solo 401k has been around for years and years and years, you know, decades. So it's not like some new retirement account that the IRS just came out with. It's just a matter of one, do you qualify for it? And two, who do you want to hold that account? If you want stocks, Wall Street options, then, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, like those are, you know, really solid companies. If you want to get a little bit more creative and have more freedom and control where to direct your money, then you would need to have a custodian that's self-directed actually house the money. So in that way, your money can be directed in those places and you're not triggering you know, taxable events. Can you open multiple different ones or can you have like different brokerages for different chunks of money? Or is it when you pick one, like that's what you get? Yeah. So like a lot of our customers, like they'll have a self-directed solo 401k with us and they're investing in real estate or, you know, other alternative assets. And then they have an IRA with Charles Schwab, you know, and they've got Tesla, right? So you can have best of both worlds. Awesome. Well, this has been super helpful. I mean, I feel like I can sit here and ask questions all day. We got to cut it somewhere, but I really appreciate it, Daniel. I'll definitely be in touch, have more questions offline, and maybe we can get you back for a part two on this sometime. Mike, do you have any other thoughts, any closing questions? Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's like a lot of questions I have, but I think another episode would be helpful to help kind of wrap things up, jot down. Yeah. I feel like if we talk too much longer, people are going to glaze over and not understand anything else because this is interesting but it's also a lot to digest. So Daniel, thank you very much for being on. Really appreciate it. Tell the people one more time, all four of our listeners, tell them where they can find you and how they can follow you, your website, all that kind of stuff one more time. Yeah, best place is danielblue.me and you can go to that website. I've got my book, Blueprint to Your Best Retirement. It talks a lot about what we talked about on the show here, just in a simple, easy to digest format, just talking about how to access your retirement account, penalty and tax-free and self-directed retirement accounts, things of that nature. So check out my website in the sense of if you want more information, want to learn more about uh, kind of what we talked about and there's some content there that can help you connect more dots. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, man. And as always, thank you guys for listening. Please remember to download these episodes. That really helps us out. I know it seems little, but downloading them helps us a lot. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star review if you like us. Just don't leave us a review if you hate us. (laughs) Just just, just skip it. Just move right along. As always, join our Stock Dads community, Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and then you can always check out our private premium Discord community at stockdads.com slash plants. Daniel, thank you very much. We'd love to have you on again sometime, man. Appreciate uh, you guys taking the opportunity to have me on the show, your platform, and uh, grateful to be here. Looking forward to seeing you guys here again. 
Awesome. Cool. And uh, Thanks, make man. sure you, you know, don't trip going up the stairs in those Crocs while you got them in sports man, mode. That's why you got the four by four, bro. I don't, <laughs> play, you know, I don't play any games. There you go. I love it. All right, guys, we're out. Thank you for listening to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Leave a five-star review and join our premium community on Discord at stockdads.com slash plans. You can also follow us on all major social media platforms. But most importantly, stay off the grass.